Love God. Lift others. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. To Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles. I just want something. I want to drop something in your spirit today. Uh, I was. I'm so moved by these guys. It's the humility, and and just the the basic hunger to go after something that they believe in. And I believe it really fits into this series as we're talking about being relentless, because I believe it is a characteristic that should be in every disciple of Jesus Christ. And we have to understand that there is a significant difference in being a disciple and a churchgoer. Okay, and you've heard me talk about this so much before. Being a churchgoer is lame. It's lame. Let me just tell you right now, it's lame. But being a disciple for Jesus Christ is amazing. It's where your dreams come true. It's where you get to experience the God of John 10.10, where he said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. The Message Bible says, I have come to give you a better life than you have ever dreamed of. That's amazing because a lot of us in here have dreams. But you never get to experience the Jesus of John 10.10 until you decide to become a disciple and not just a churchgoer. I like what my wife was saying. She felt in her spirit earlier today that some of you are here because you tried everything. Well, one of the things that you've tried even was religion, and it did not work, and it won't work. And just as we were declaring in this place earlier today uh, that the world cannot satisfy But it's the cup of Jesus that doesn't run dry. But you have to position yourself in a place to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that you've got to realize that you have to have as a characteristic in your life is you have to be relentless. How many got something out of Pastor Cheeto's word last week? Amen. Aren't you so grateful for Pastor Cheeto? Give it up for Pastor Cheeto. Bringing the word last week. I got to hear it on the podcast and and I know God did so many things for you through the altar. But let me, let me drop this in your spirit today. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 56 through 58. It says this, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that everything we do for you is not in vain. Whether we see immediate results from it or not, your word tells us that if we remain steadfast in the faith, if we remain relentless, we will see the blessings on the other side. Father, I pray that you would impart a relentless spirit into this place today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now, what does that word relentless mean? That word relentless in the dictionary means this. It means oppressively constant. It means incessant, constant, continual, and merciless. It is an attitude that says, I won't give up, I won't let go. It is, it is an attitude that you have to have to be a champion. 
It's the attitude you have to have to reach a goal, to fulfill a dream. It's like these young men here from the Philippines, this this group here from the Philippines, had to be relentless because of the opposition that was coming against them and the things that they were seeing. Well, we have to be that same way in our walk with God. And that's why I started by saying, you've got to make a decision. Are you a churchgoer or are you a disciple? Because churchgoers are lame, okay? Now, let me, let me, let me jump into that a little bit there. They're lame. And I've seen it now for over 25 years. There's a significant difference in those that call themselves disciples and live as disciples, people that fear God and, and obey his word, than people that don't change much about their life except where they're at on a Sunday morning between 10 and 12 o'clock. That's lame. That's called being two-faced. Come on, how many know something about being two-faced? Two-faced don't get you too far in the streets, Amen. How many know you can't be a blood on Tuesday and a crip on Wednesday? Come on, somebody. You can't claim Norte on Fridays and on Saturdays you're over here claiming suit. You can't do that. That's called two-faced. But yet in the body of Christ, people try to get away with being in both worlds. And when you do that, you lose. When you do that, you miss out. When you do that, you cannot possess the blessings of number one. Here it is, knowing Jesus, which is the ultimate goal, knowing Jesus. See, your goal in life, whatever your dream is, to make a million dollars, to have a successful business, to get married, to raise a family, whatever your goal is, it needs to take a back seat to the goal of knowing Jesus Christ. And what we find today in in American Christianity is we don't have enough relentless folks in the house. We got folks, the minute something is tough, they leave. The minute God doesn't do something they want him to do, they dip out. Well, God didn't heal my, my, my sister when she got sick. I'm out. Well, God didn't bring my dream to pass. I'm out. Listen, you got to get some relentless stuff on the inside of you. It goes even worse than that. You got Christians that they'll get offended in a church and leave and be like, I ain't serving God no more. And you and I meet them on the streets and talking to them and whatever, meet them at a Starbucks and they'll say, oh, yeah, I used to go to church. And I say, well, what happened? Well, this thing happened at this church and this person was talking about me and all the other church folks were spreading rumors. I said, oh, so you're not serving Jesus because of something somebody else did. And they say, yeah. And I think to myself, you need to get some relentlessness in you. Because if I did that, I wouldn't have lasted a year in the body of Christ. Because you got to understand, you got to want Jesus so bad that nothing, you're not going to let anything stop you from receiving his love and being in relationship with him. That's the kind of disciple you got to be to be able to experience his goodness uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the greatness of what God is. You can experience his goodness for nothing. But I'm talking about receiving uh, your purpose in, in greatness and, and, and experiencing the fullness of God. You can't do that being mamby-pamby. And so look at 1 Corinthians 15 tells us this. Therefore, beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Steadfast means you don't stop. You don't quit. Immovable means you can't move me. Nothing that anybody else does is going to get me to back off of God's word and his spirit. 
See, we lack that in today's Christianity today. We lack that. If, if something ain't going the way people want, they dip. And they think that's going to be a good excuse when you face Jesus at the, at the white throne judgment. And it's judgment day and you're going to step up and Jesus is going to say, hey, how come you weren't serving me? Well, it was because of this one pastor that told me this, that, and the other. And then the church people did this and they took away my seat and da-da-da-da-da. And you know, you know what? That's not going to fly. Because everything you just named has to do with somebody else. You're going to have to give account for your own decisions. And we've got to get relentless in our faith that no matter what's going on around us, we're going to keep going after God. You know, in the first three years of being saved and going into the ministry, I saw some difficult things, things that I wished I didn't get to experience. I mean, I was, you know, going after the Lord and filling a call into ministry and then, you know, being around ministry. I got to see that not every pastor uh, lived it 24-7. I mean, one of the first pastors that I had, I've told you this before, he came out that he was gay. And, you know, this guy had read all his books. I had listened to all his teachings and God had taught a lot to me through those things. And I had grown in the word of God. And then all of a sudden he gets involved in this scandal and and uh, uh, it came out that he was having a relationship with another member in the church and all this stuff. And that that church fell to pieces, man. It doesn't even exist today. And guys that were in ministry with me at the time, many of them, this is over 20 years ago, they're not even serving God today. I see them on Facebook, and they're all angry and mad, and they're not doing nothing. But you know what I did through that whole mess? I did what everybody should do. You walk through the rubble, and you keep going. I am not going to let somebody else's failure and somebody else's lack in an area keep me from my Jesus. And so I began to go through some of those teachings and some of those things that were laid in the foundation. And I began to eat the meat and spit out the bones. How many know what I'm talking about? How many know how to do that in the natural? Come on, somebody. You know how to get to that meat and spit out the bones. Sometimes you got to do that in the body of Christ. You can't let what somebody else has done or somebody else did mess you up. See, I got saved in the early 90s. That was probably 1990. And by 91, I'll never forget, I just walking with God for about a year. And uh, this evangelist scandal hit 2020. And it was huge, man. It was a big, big deal. And all these television preachers and stuff got exposed. And all this stuff was on the television. And I'll never forget, actually, one of the guys that was on that expose I had been watching a program like a week before, and I felt the Lord move me to send the guy some money. And so I argued with the Lord for a minute like we do. How many of y'all argue with God when he tells you to give money? Come on, just be honest. Y'all, y'all do it. Y'all do it. You know, we all do that. We get behind me, Satan. We test. The, the Bible says test every spirit. But you don't test them when it's something good, usually. You're like, okay. You, you know, you never refuse money. God told me to give you money. Oh, no, no, brother. Let's make sure that's the Lord. Nobody ever does that. They just take it. Amen. God is so good. So, so, so this day, you know, I, I said, okay. I, I, I sent this. I put some money in the, in the envelope and mailed it off. That was back in the day when you had to mail stuff. Come on. Amen. And you mail, mailed it off to him. And then like the next week, 
it hit 2020 that this joker had been stealing money and saying it was for an orphanage in another country and buying gold toilets and all this stuff or whatever else. And I remember I I sat there in in front of that TV and I felt like the stupidest guy to ever live. And I said, I cannot believe that I sent money to this guy. I was getting angry. And then I heard the spirit of God speak up real strong to me. And he said, son, you didn't give that money to him. You gave that money to me. And nothing he can do with that money can change the harvest that you will have for obeying my voice. From that day forward, I said, okay, I see how this works, God. You're watching out for me. My only job is to do what you say. And I never worried about that ever again. I said, okay, I'm cool. I'm cool because I felt so stupid. I felt so duped. I felt like, how could I go to this? And maybe some of you went to a church where crazy stuff was going on. And, you know, you think, man, how could I have stayed there so long? Well, listen, maybe God had you stay there because he had you there. But you need to understand when you're a part of things like that and your heart is right to obey God, what other people do cannot mess up your harvest. God sees your heart, sees your motives, and he's going to be able to bring that harvest in. So from that day forward, I never worried again. I just made sure my hearing was right with the spirit of God. But every person on that on that expose on 2020, I had read their book and it had blessed my life. And now I'm seeing, dang, this this brother over here is crooked. This brother over here is cheating on his wife. This brother over here. And, you know, there was a lot of people that quit following Jesus during that time. But I'm here to tell you, I was not one of them because I'm relentless, because I'm not going to let what others do shake off what God has done in my life. You say, how does that work, Pastor? Don't you see all those others? I see it. But see, when you experience Jesus and not just go to church, nobody can take your experience from you. You can't take my experience. I'm sorry that there are fake churches out there. I'm sorry that there's crooked evangelists out there. I'm sorry that there are priests that have been out there molesting kids and all that. I'm sorry about all that. But that does not change that God's word is still true and that we are saved by faith. And when I put my faith in God's word, it has the power to transform me. Now, I say that because you don't know. We live in a day right now where where the world is getting very aggressive against the church. Aggressive. There was that lady on The View just this past week got up, Joy Behar, got up on The View, and she made a statement about Christianity that was just ridiculous, but everybody out there agreed with it. And she was talking about Vice President uh, Pence, and he had made a statement recently that he had been, been spending time in prayer and that Jesus spoke something to him. How many of you in this room have ever experienced that? Let me raise both hands and a foot. It happens. But do you know what this woman on The View said? A view, she said this. She said, anybody that claims to hear from Jesus is a psycho. And they got, she got so many likes on it. I'll, I'll post it on Instagram later on or on our church page later on so you could see it. And everybody was just like, oh, yeah, that's so true. That's crazy. How can you hear from Jesus? See, that's how the world is going to look at us. And if you ain't relentless, you ain't going to make it. 
There's a television show coming out this week on CBS. It's, I don't know what it's called, uh, religious or something like that. But it's basically the story. It's based on a book where a guy got the idea that for one year, he was going to try to live out and live by how the Bible tells us to live. Now, that's a dangerous thing because without the Holy Spirit and without a good teaching of the Bible, you're going to crack that Bible open and you're going to see some crazy stuff in the Old Testament. And without a revelation of Jesus Christ and without an understanding of how and why that book was written, you are going to miss some things. That's why people are always misquoting the scriptures. That's why people are out there talking about Levitical law and things like that. So in this TV show, this guy is going to start, he's going to, I'm dedicating my year to living like the Bible says. I'm not going to have sex with anybody for a year. And they're making jokes about it. Ha ha, and da da da. How are you going to do that? And oh, you know, all they take all this stuff out of context to try and show how ignorant that we are, how idiotic that we are. But you know what? That stuff doesn't phase me. You can say what you want to, but I know that I was lost and now I'm found. I know that I had no purpose. I had no destiny. I had no life. I had blood on my hands. And when I came into the kingdom of God, he set me free. He crucified my past. He deleted it, so to speak, and gave me new life. So I don't care what you say and what you think is good or right. I could testify of what has worked for me. You got to be relentless like that because we got folks in this place. You can't even represent Christ in your office because you'll get ridiculed. You can't even uh, represent Christ at your school because you're afraid of getting teased. Listen, we got to get over that teasing thing. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. We got to have a stronger spirit than caring about what everybody else thinks. We've got to be relentless in our pursuit for God. So let me leave you with a couple things here before I let you go. Number one, we got to be relentless in our pursuit of Jesus. You can't let stuff keep you from Christ. Don't let your job, don't let your career, don't let your family, oh, come on, somebody. Don't let what your friends think or what your friends say keep you from God. Don't let religion, don't even let your past experience keep you from pressing in to Jesus Christ. Because if you do, you're not going to make it to his throne. The Bible and the New Testament is full of different examples of people that had a relentless spirit. We know about blind Bartimaeus in the Bible. The Bible says he was out begging, begging. And what he saw and he heard, he didn't see because he was blind. But he heard Jesus was coming. And so the Bible says he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that all the church folks came over and said, hey, you need to be quiet. You need to shut it down. You need to be quiet. You're causing a scene over here. Can't you see the king of kings is walking by? You're not, you, need, you, need to get, you need to show some respect here. And the Bible says blind Bartimaeus cried out all the more. King David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says he cried out and cried out until Jesus took notice of him. But what's interesting in that story is people tried to shut him down. And I submit to you today, there are people trying to shut you down. 
They won't listen to you. They won't let you speak your faith. See, you think you're being wise at your office. No, you're just being scared. Because that spirit will get you to think nobody wants to hear about your Jesus. That spirit will get you to think nobody needs to hear about your faith. And listen, that's a spirit you can't listen to. It's trying to silence your voice. What would have happened to blind Bartimaeus had he not continued to cry out in the face of opposition? He wouldn't have got healed. He wouldn't have found Christ. He wouldn't experience new life. And there are some of you here, you're not finding Christ. You're finding church. You're not finding Christ. You're going through the motions. You're not finding this new life because you've allowed the world to silence you and to shut your voice. Listen, you got to get relentless. Tell your neighbor right now, you got to be relentless. But blind Bartimaeus wasn't the only one. Then you know about Zacchaeus. And if you was raised in church for the past 20 years, you might know that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see the Savior. Aki or something like that. I don't know. How many remember that little song in Sunday school? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee, you know, it's a story. You get it. It's in the Bible. But here's the thing about Zacchaeus. He had limitations. Tell your neighbor, just like you got limitations. You don't have to say it like that. Some of you got mean about it. You got limitations. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that. But Zacchaeus had limitations. You know what his limitation was? He was short. We got love for short people in here. Come on, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. This is your hero in the Bible, right? This, this is where God says, I got you, short people. I got you. I'm with you. Zacchaeus is your hero. Get a Zacchaeus shirt. Rock that. Represent that. So the Bible says Zacchaeus saw that Jesus was coming from afar, but he was too short to see him. The crowd was too tall. They were, he was, you know, uh, some of you short people, you know how it is. You're at a, you're at a show or a, a concert. I can't see. I can't see. And it was just, that was Zacchaeus like that. Don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to paint a picture here. He couldn't see. So you know what some of us do with our limitations? We let our limitations limit us. We camp out in our limitations. We accept our limitations. But Zacchaeus wasn't like that. He says, I can't see Jesus, but I am not going to let my stature, my height keep me from getting to witness the king of kings on the earth in my lifetime. And the Bible says he went over to a sycamore tree and the Bible says he climbed that tree. And while Jesus walked through, the Bible says Zacchaeus Got to see him. And picture this. Jesus is walking through there. He's got his whole crew, his whole entourage with him. And he's walking. He's laying hands on folks. And he's like, whoa. He sees a little midget up there in the tree. A little short guy. Sorry if that was politically incorrect. He, He saw a little person up in the tree. And he stops everything. Because what does he see? He sees relentlessness. And all these people wanted a miracle. But you know what the Bible says? He called him down. He said, hey, come down here. I'm going to your house. So you need to catch this today because relentlessness will bring Jesus to your house. 
I'll tell you what, comfort will keep him from your house. Some of y'all are too comfortable. If that was you, you wouldn't have got a visit from Jesus that day. I can hear it now. You, you can hear it too. Don't you? Oh, I ain't got too many dang people over there. I ain't going over there. Can't even get some of y'all to watch fireworks if there's a crowd. Come on. We don't like crowds. We don't like the, we don't want to push through anything that's uncomfortable. Here's the things Zacchaeus had to think about. Man, that's embarrassing. Oh, get up there and climb in a tree. How many know people are cracking jokes on him? Look at little Danny DeVito up in the tree right there. Look at little Louie up in the tree. People are probably throwing stuff at him. Come on, you know if it was the South Sack, we'd have did that, y'all. We would have just been like cracking on him all day. Look at Kevin Hart up in the tree right over there. He didn't care. He was relentless. And the Bible says, Jesus said, to your house, I got to go today. And he ended up going to your house. Let me give you a couple more and I'm done. We know about the women with the issue of blood. The Bible tells us that this woman had an issue of blood and she was unclean in every way, shape and form. And the multitudes thronged. They pressed against Jesus. They wanted a miracle. This sick woman, the Bible says, pressed through the crowd with a thought, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I'll be, I'll be made whole. See, she was relentless in her faith. See, we spent January talking about how nothing is impossible. Some of you are continuing to stand and walk on that word. Some of you have already lost that word, and you're saying things like, it'll never happen. I don't know how I'm going to do it. You need to get that word back out, blow the dust off it. You need to stand on it, and you need to be relentless like the woman with the issue of blood. She had one word, and her word was this. If I could touch, not even touch his body, touch the hem of his garment, then I'll be saved. The Bible says she pushed through there. A sick woman pushed through the multitude, and she made it all the way to Jesus. And as she touched him, she was made whole. Some of you ain't pressing in. Some of you are letting limitations. You're letting the crowd. You're letting other people keep you from your healing. And I'm here to tell you today, Jesus wants you to be relentless. The Holy Spirit today is telling you, be relentless. Press into this thing. We do conferences and things. We send kids to camp. And there's so many people that need to go, but they're not relentless. Because they say stuff like this. Oh, I don't have the money. Oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of money when you was dropping 100 every Friday night drinking beers with the boys. It wasn't a lot of money the last time you went to that sporting event and you, and you paid $20 for a cup of beer, a literal cup of beer. Some of y'all try not to laugh because you know it's true. But yet, when it comes to doing things and getting breakthroughs, we don't want to press in. We've got so many of you ladies that need a breakthrough in your life, yet you hear about Propel and you go, oh, that's at 5 o'clock. I ain't trying to go anywhere, anywhere else at the church. I already did church. I ain't trying to do that again. You know, I already got my bribe. I'll be, I'm good. I'm good. No, you ain't good. Until you press into the place where you're uncomfortable, you can't get your miracle. Until you press in to the place where you got to do the uncommon thing to get your breakthrough, you're going to stay the same. You're going to stay lame. It's going to take you being relentless. Somebody once said, being great is hard. That's why everybody can't do it. You got to decide what you want in your life. The life you have is the life you build. If you could help me on the guitar, uh, uh, Brother Diego, come on up. Give it up for Diego, too, holding it down. 
y'all don't know this, but Diego lives in Vallejo, Vacaville. But he comes all the way on Sundays. That's almost an hour drive to be over here with us every week. Give it up for Diego. That's relentless. That's relentless. Some of y'all complaining about that drive from Elk Grove. We need to get a building out here. I come to church more if you're closer than the Thomas. Listen, you got to be relentless. Got to be relentless. But let me leave you with this last thought here, and it comes from Acts chapter 2. Or actually, Acts chapter 1. You can put that on the screen there. Acts chapter 1, 4 and 8. It says this. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from days Uh, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So why is this so significant today? Because Acts chapter 1, Jesus, after he resurrected from the cross, the Bible says, he literally walked around Jerusalem, and he appeared to many Christians He didn't just show up like one time in the movie. Read it, read it. It says that he went about appearing to other believers around. In the flesh, not not as a ghost or a spirit, in the flesh. The Bible says that that, uh, Thomas was able to touch the hole in his hands where the nails went. And most Bible scholars believe that when he said this in Acts chapter 1, he said it to 500 believers. 500 people. And he makes it real clear. And he doesn't make a suggestion. He doesn't say, hey, you know, if you guys are up to it, wait in Jerusalem because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to baptize you and give you power. That's only if you want to. If it's not too much trouble. If the drive ain't too long. If you got time. If there's no Niner game on. Because Raider fans, we'd be there. We would just, we would just come. I'm just joking. He doesn't say that. He gives a command. And he says, wait, wait there for me to give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 500 people. Do you know what Acts chapter 2 tells us? 120 were in the upper room. Now check this out. This wasn't a preacher telling them this. This wasn't one of the disciples telling them this. This was Jesus himself. They saw him die on a cross. They saw the stone rolled away. And now they're experiencing him in the flesh. And he says, don't do anything until you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wait for me in Jerusalem. And the Bible says only 120 were there 
on the day of Pentecost. So you know what I pose to you? What happened to all those 500 people? How come only 380 got the, uh, I mean, 120 got it and 380 people didn't get it? They missed their visitation. I'll tell you why. Because they're just like us. Picture yourself in a room for days at a time. And somebody's in there and they ain't looking at you right. Come on, somebody. They're not maybe smelling right. We've been up in this room for uh, uh, how many days already? When's it going to get here? And you got this person complaining and that person complaining. And this person over here is praying all weird and loud. And you're like, I wish you would be quiet. Quit praying like that. We can hear God. We trying to pray over here. You know, all this stuff going on. And I could just imagine that little by little, people just began to trickle out. They lost heart. It's taken too long. Where is it? Where's this blessing he said was going to come? I submit to you, there's others didn't even make it to the upper room because they chose to do something else. But 120 of them made it. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit fell on them. Go ahead, put that scripture up, Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as if a rushing mighty wind filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. He told 500, 120 showed up. I submit to you today, stand on your feet. Would you have been one of those 120? Or would you, would you have been one of those lame folks that even though Jesus appeared to them, King of Kings, Savior of the universe, they found something else to do with their time. They found something else to do with their energy. They gave themselves to things of the world that could not satisfy. But there were 120 people that recognized, Jesus, you're the cup that doesn't run dry. Some of you today have to make that decision. What kind of follower of Jesus are you going to be? My prayer is this. You'll be relentless. That no matter what it takes to fulfill your calling, you'll get there. No matter what it takes to do what God's called you to do, you'll get there. No matter what you got to say no to or who you got to say no to, you're going to be relentless in your pursuit of Jesus Christ. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. There's some of you here got to make a decision. You got to make a decision to come all the way into this thing. To say, I want to be a relentless follower of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you're, you're not really even following Jesus. You just go to church. Listen, this is your morning to get that right. This is your morning to lay hold that no matter what's going on around you, no matter what your family says, why are you going to that Christian church? We've been Catholic all this time. We've been Lutheran all this time. Why are you going? No matter what they say, it's not about where you're at. It's about pursuing Jesus. And if you pursue him in a Catholic church, if you pursue him in a Lutheran church, or if you pursue him here, that is all that should matter. Some of you, you've been letting things keep you down. You've been letting things steal your voice. If you're here today, 
And you say, Pastor, I'm done. I'm, I'm tired of letting limitations keep me from being relentless after Jesus. Jesus is here today to take you up and to make you his. Hey, everybody. Pastor Sergio here. and We just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Elevate, elevate, elevate Life Church. Church.